for our listeners out there, I guess I want to transition to get your perspective on this, Matt, is there's people that might be looking at going into treatment. There's people that have already been done several treatment rounds, might even done residential treatment, inpatient, all that good stuff. What's your perspective? I mean, you've been out here for like in the field for a long time. What's your perspective on somebody who might be, maybe they're, I'll give you a scenario. Um, they have some back problems, their doctor back in, let's say it's 2002 when every doc was prescribing, you know, opiates yes, all over were, the place yes, and got like half the nation hooked, it seemed like, but um, I could prescribe some um, Vicodin, I get hooked, I start using it, uh, my doc figures it out eventually, they cut me off, I got to go buy it on the street, um, because of all our tight-knit network now with the Walgreens and pharmacies being connected, there's less on the streets, so the price of the Vicodin tablet goes up, I can't afford that, I can't afford to dish out five grand a month for pills, I never thought of myself as an IV heroin user, but hey, 20 bucks a hit, I'll do that. And now I'm hooked on heroin. I never planned my life out to be that way. Um, I thought about it a little bit lately, like things are getting bad for me. Maybe I should do something about this. Some people have encouraged me to go to treatment, but I'm not ready. What would you say to that? If we have a listener out there, what would you say to that person? With all your wisdom. I know it's a totally yeah, loaded that's, question. Well, that, that's a tough question because the bottom line is we can't make, make anybody. Yeah. I mean, the legal system can, but that's a different issue. We can't make anybody want to do treatment. Now, one of the things that you can do in that scenario, and I actually I, I see a lot of people in that scenario. I see a lot of people that come in. You can always have a one-time assessment, whether it's with somebody like me or with a drug counselor or one of the agencies in town. And unfortunately, it does matter. Your insurance, unfortunately, covered by your insurance. Right. Your insurance dictates where you can go. Um, the reality is most of these, some of these assessments are not as, ex as expensive as you think they are. Okay. So you can put your toe in the water without committing to treatment. It's kind of like going to buy a car. You can shop around. You can go to dealerships. You can talk to somebody about a car. That doesn't mean that you're driving off the lot today. And you can do the same thing as far as learning about treatment. The other thing that we don't talk about a lot in the field is not all treatment providers are equal. Different places have different philosophies, and you really need to find somebody or a, an agency or a clinic that's going to be a match for where you're at right now. If you're just putting your toe in the water and you are not sure, you don't want to go to a place, or if you try to go to a place and they're, you know, that's it, you need to never use again, where they, they try to rush you along a lot faster than you're ready, that's not going to be a good match for you. You I need somebody that is going to work with you. Taking control of your life. It's sort of like going to see the doctor these days, like actually asking the right questions, like not assuming like the doctor knows everything, doing some research, asking like a potential addiction clinic, like what is your treatment philosophy? And if they can't answer that question, 
that might tell you something in itself. Yes, yeah, some treaters, and this is a little bit radical, but for somebody who's not sure if they're ready for treatment, asking the question, are you willing to see me if I'm not 100% sure I'm ready to stop using right now? Great question. That's a value bomb right there, man. Recovery Nation, write that down if you're in that boat because that is a phenom question. Phenomenal. All right. Well, we are smoking with all this info. You're like a... You're like an encyclopedia, Matt. This is like awesome. I don't know how you're going to get this down to an hour. We're gonna. We're, it's just like an all-day podcast. We'll start taking calls later. Um, what I wanted you to also talk about for sure is, you know, we're in the midst of an opiate epidemic. Yes, we've been. This they have been. New. Yes, this is not new, but yes. Although it's more sensationalized now in the news because of all these people. You know, that rapid increase of overdose deaths that have been occurring. Yes. You know, with the mix of fentanyl and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder if you could maybe speak to what you're seeing in your perspective, because you were working in a methadone clinic back in the 80s. Yes. So you've kind of watched the evolution of that particular treatment. But I know there's probably going to be an opiate user or somebody in recovery, maybe kind of considering like a medication to help them out. Um, Man, you're an expert, so well. There's this is your perspective. There is not one size fits all. Love it, love this it. This issue. Uh, there's basically three routes. If somebody is ready for treatment, so now we've moved from the person that's not sure they're ready for treatment to the person who is ready for treatment. This is actually what my second book is about. It's it's specifically about opiates and different ways to do treatment. Now, one option would be to go a medication-free route, and people do this, um, where you're not, you're not taking, we, we have, and I'll, I'll talk about the medications we have, but there are people that are able to get off of opiates without doing a medication. They may get very involved in 12-step recovery programs or other types of psychosocial counseling, and they, they do it without any medication. That is probably not the majority of the individuals that are looking for treatment, but there are people that do that, and I have a lot of respect for those folks. I, I actually have respect for, not that I don't have respect for the folks that are doing it with medication, uh, especially since I prescribe medication, but just this is a rough path, and any doctor, all we can do is be guides to help people on on their own healing. We do not have any magic. Uh, a lot of people have heard of uh, the opiate replacement, uh, opiate replacement, methadone is opiate replacement, suboxone. Uh, suboxone is not the only medication like that. There's some generics out there. There's some other brand names, but suboxone is the most famous. A lot of people do not know that suboxone is an opiate itself. Most people know methadone is an opiate, but most people, not most, but a lot of people do not realize. When they come in, uh, people will come into my office, they want to get on Suboxone, I am a Suboxone prescriber, and they don't know that it's an opiate. So you're switching from one opiate to another. Now there are some advantages to doing that and some disadvantages, but it is an opiate. So you're still opiate dependent, you will still go into withdrawal if you were to just abruptly stop the suboxone or the methadone. The uh, third way to go, uh, so there's no medication, there's opiate replacement, and then there's opiate blocking. 
And those are the most common one that people are hearing about is the shot, Vivitrol. Yes. Vivitrol in its generic is a medication called naltrexone. Naltrexone actually comes in a pill form as well as the shot. The pill also helps alcohol cravings. Uh, the pill for opiates, for a lot of reasons, does not seem to work as well as the shot. So the shot, I, I've seen, I've known people that have done very well on the shot as well. So it's really, there are there are options out there. Yeah, what do you think are any of the, I mean, also kind of like a common question, but are like with the Vivitrol shot, is there any downsides to it, like side effects? Because I, I heard kind of through the grapevine that it's in the buttock. If shot. you don't like butt shots, that is, and that, that is a downside. Side, yeah, and I heard some people say that sometimes their butt is kind of sore for a while. But I don't know what's been. I mean, because you're, you're, I'm speaking to. If you can, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I have not. The people that I have had on Vivitrol. No, who, who likes getting a butt shot, really? <laughs> but the people that I hold on. Well said, man. Well said. <laughs> Vivitrol have not. I, I haven't had people overly complaining of. So you don't have like yeah, the side effects are bad or exaggeratedly like, horribly sore bottoms. I have not had that. When you look, every every medication has its laundry list of side effects. When you look at one of the possible side effects, you you know you see pain and swelling around the site of the. Injection, yeah, so but you you're not see. hearing overall like a lot of people saying, Oh, yeah, my butt's sore for a long time. It's actually you're not hearing hardly that at all. No, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. And I was actually surprised because with the oral naltrexone, and again, remember Vivitrol is it's just it's the brand name for naltrexone. With oral naltrexone, there are there seems to be more side effects. I've had people that'll say it makes them sleepy. I've had people say that it makes them nauseous. I've also said I've, I've also had people say that they feel like their mood is a little bit lower. They feel more blah. So okay. there are, and that has only been with the pills. So I have to say I was a little bit cynical when the shot first came out because there were side effects with the pills, and I've actually been very surprised with the Vivitrol shot that. People, for them, I'm not hearing complaints of side effects. And what I was really looking for was that blah feeling, and I haven't had anybody tell me. I'm not saying it can never happen, but I haven't had anybody tell me that they've had that mood numbing that I have had people tell me when they're taking the pill. Love it, Matt. Keeping it real. Well, I mean, he's like talking openly, honestly. I mean, he even said, I was a little bit cynical about it myself, but here's what I'm actually seeing. So what I'm hoping listeners might take out of this is like, this is like information that will arm you so that you're informed, you're educated when you decide to, you know, attack treatment or recovery. And you'll know the right questions to ask. I mean, you're given loaded questions here of just... Loaded information of a lot of stuff that you you'll be able to ask about naltrexone. You'll be able to ask about suboxone. You'll be able to ask about Vivitrol. I mean, this is kind of stuff that's just a lot of people just don't know about. I am not doing my job if I can't educate people. People need to know there is so much misinformation and lack of information 
out there. One of the things I want to say, a lot of, I, I would say Suboxone and Medicaid and similar medications are probably the most popular options for people with opiate habits right now. And what part of the reason that they're, you know, the most popular option is number one, it's an opiate itself. So a lot of times folks that are dependent on opiates, the idea of totally coming off of it, having to go through withdrawal is scary. Withdrawal is not a fun experience. And it actually traumatizes people. When somebody goes into withdrawal once, it can be so traumatizing that they can be unnaturally almost terrified of it happening again. <laughs>